0: Relax. this is Top Up. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. And we're joined by two special guests.
1: Yes, Winnie and Ramona are both here. Church is actually around as well, so she might...
0: Uh... Yeah, it's a bloody animal farm in this place. Two yeah. legs bad, four <laughs> legs good. We're, out, we're outnumbered. If these animals get together and decide they can take us, they, they probably could.
1: Well, also now I'm living in a house of like all women. Yeah, right. You know, it's, um, you know, so like, the like you know, there's Amy and then there's like two female dogs and there's a female cat. So I am, you know, well, it's, it's in, in, oh, yes, hello girls. I know, I know. Yes. Look at you. That's yep, pretty that's much, uh, that's how I grew up because I've got two
0: older brothers, but they were out of the house by the time I was old enough to really remember. Well, so Ramona is making out with Will as we speak. She's jumped into his lap. She's into the microphone. And now Winnie is <laughs> doing, doing t- some kind of break dance.
1: <laughs> she thinks that my carpet is some sort of wrap mat. Winnie, if you get some cardboard,
0: we'll just flatten some cardboard. You'll be able to get much more spin going on there. I'll take you into the city. I'll get you busking. <laughs> <laughs> do we do we intro the show? I can't remember. Uh, Everyone yeah, relaxes. So. Toe pop? Yeah. Oh, that's right. We we'll the guests. that's right. Yeah. We've
1: got two guests. <laughs>
0: We're out recording back to back. You're hearing this. It's uh, it's recorded uh, just after the episode you heard last week, where we put some sizzle on a topic that had sizzle and then sizzled out because the, we
1: the fire festival. Because I watched I had watched the documentary yeah. and we were going to talk about it, and then it's been like a month. Or well, because we had that. to
0: work took over. We had to put up a best of episode, and then I got the time wrong, and so it was out again. And we had we told people everybody. Like, check it out, watch it on Netflix, do your homework, we're going to talk about it. And then we don't even do a show.
1: And people did. Yeah. And it's been so long now since I watched the documentary that I'm not really sure I can remember what happened. And
0: it's also one of those things too where like in this modern news cycle, stuff is hot for two weeks. Yeah, Like... This would have been a great yeah, episode like, to do. Why are you
1: talking about Russian doll? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you motherfuckers. What are you going to bring
0: up? Murder Mountain. Two weeks ago, this would have been hot. But uh, I checked it out on your recommendation. Yes.
1: And what did you think? Did you know much about the fire festival previously? I, to watching. I knew the
0: headlines. Hmm. Like I knew there'd been this disastrous, but I didn't know any of the details or the you know influencer element or anything like that. Uh, the first thing I'd say about it is because what I was doing, I was writing at the time, so I, I would spend most of the day in the office writing, and then at night I would come home and I would watch a bit of Firefest before I went to sleep. Bad idea. It was so anxiety-inducing. I broke it up over like three nights, and each night I was like, oh, oh, this is awful. This is awful, and I know this train wreck is coming.
1: Well, you know what it is. They should just call it cocaine in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> like if Everything
0: you're... seems like a good idea while you're high.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's literally the one sort of unspoken thing of the entire... You know, documentary. I think on a sort of like bigger level is that they never just say all these things are explainable. Yeah. If you consider the amount of cocaine that they must have been doing, it's not because they're all. It's all a cocaine fever dream. It's not. It's all the shit that you would come up with. And like on a huge night on cocaine you would be like we're gonna have a festival yeah and we're gonna do it on pablo escobar's yeah. mate on pablo escobar's island yeah that's where we're gonna have the festival and we'll get like hot models and we'll make a video and we'll get jet skis and there'll be like private planes and shit it's gonna be amazing and everybody's had that like oh yeah. late night drunken drug conversation about some big plan has then sobered up the next day and decided not to fucking do it
0: i remember being at a party with a mate of mine who was taking it easy because he had to drive to Adelaide the next day. And so he was hanging out with us and stuff. And it was 5 a.m. And we all were like, mate, don't be so bummed out that you can't party. You've got to go to Adelaide because we're going to come with you. Yeah, we're all going to Adelaide. Adelaide, Adelaide. And for the next hour, like we're making plans. We are hooking up accommodations, sending texts out and stuff. Then the sun came up. All of a sudden he's walking to the car. He's like, so you guys... Coming. coming? Uh, <laughs> nah, nah. nah. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm coming down real yeah. hard.
1: <laughs> what I really need to do is be in a car for 14 hours. What I
0: can't stop thinking about is the fact that my father never hugged me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, they had so much cocaine that the party never ended until yeah. it ended spectacularly.
0: But the thing about it is, someone who has produced, who has produced events and stuff. There is an element when you are, when you've got lots of moving parts, like you know you've got you know you've got technical crew, you've got creative performers, you've got all this kind of stuff, and you're trying to coordinate everything, and you'll pick a venue and stuff. But even if you are the most well organised production crew or, or, or production company or whatever, you're constantly getting fed problems. Like there's a clash of dates. Oh, they're doing construction across the road, and so as a producer, your job is just to problem solve. But there is an element. Where you're like, you get given all. You open your email, and there's like fucking twenty emails, all fucking problems. And there's an element of you that is just like, okay, so this person's freaking out, but we're just gonna go to that date. We just keep re, just keep sort of saying to people, it's yeah. fine. If we just keep it'll all forward, come together on the It'll mind. all come together. So there's an element well, I mean, of even, faith,
1: even that, in a like a, in a really sort of minor way. Like you know, we were d- discussing off air. You know that I'm coming up to you know my new show and um, I'm doing it in a different way this year. I'm not going to Adelaide, or Brisbane to run it in before Melbourne. It's a new process. I'm worried about the process. I don't know where I'm at in the timing of the process. But you've got to keep the faith that if you just keep, regardless of the fact that I'm not where I wanted to be or that things mm. aren't you know going to where I thought the plan would be, you've just got to keep the faith that you'll pull it all together and it'll all be okay. Well, I remember. Whereas well, my comedy festival show this year may well be the, fire the fire festival. festival.
0: I remember remember a show, Will, not too long ago, uh, we did a live show at the Comedy Festival where I arrived from Los Angeles the night before. You had gotten very sick the day of the show. I hadn't prepared anything, and so I went out and made some memory card badges. There was an element there of, well, look, if I just keep, if I do something, if I just keep the wheels spinning, then maybe it'll come off. Not always, it does come off.
1: Right, yeah. I've never felt worse that night. That is literally the worst I've ever felt during any show that I've the ever The one
0: done. night I needed you to bring a little extra.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it the night
0: you couldn't barely stand I up. I mean, I could barely... You were so ill. I, was... I remember you walked through the door and they, like, your complexion was not of this earth. Like, for a second, I thought you'd been replaced with some kind of synthetic.
1: Well, I remember clearly, because I'd done a show at the arts festival, uh, my comedy festival show that night at the Arts Centre, and uh, yeah, so big show, you know, like 2,000 people, like a really posh venue, like, you know, a really sort of what could, should have been a really wonderful and enjoyable part of the night, but it was kind of made less wonderful and enjoyable by the fact that halfway through the show, I thought I was going to vomit <laughs> in front of 2,000 people. So, and then the fact that I then had to come in and do the podcast and was just like I, yeah I'd never felt More, normally they talk about, in comedy they talk about that idea of like Dr. Showbiz you know yeah. the idea that once you actually start performing then you'll be okay but that night Dr. Showbiz Dr. Showbiz uh, pronounced me down on a rifle Charlie so
0: imagine that but everyone in the audience had made $30,000 <laughs> $30,000 to maybe win a broken memory yep. card. I badge. think this
1: podcast is the opposite of Fire Festival because nobody expects that it's <laughs> going to be good and on a rare occasions it actually outdoes what it actually promises to be. It did it make your
0: skin crawl like I mean I don't know what you're like with social media, but for me, it's definitely a love-hate thing, which is like, I want to be too cool for it and cynical and mock people on social media, but by the same token, I'm on social media. I post stuff on social media. I get that kind of endorphin rush where you get likes on something that you've written or something that you've posted or whatever. So when you see the genesis of why it caught fire, there's this like, ugh, God, what's happening to us? Like, we're also like susceptible to this
1: Bullshit! This technology that wasn't even around ten years ago. So I've been making a really conscious effort in my life to engage with social media and the way that we're being manipulated by you know tech and the online world and you know dataing, and monitoring, and all these sort of things. To be try to be an active and an aware consumer. Like you talk about that idea of the dopamine hits and the way that these things because these things are businesses. Did I
0: say dopamine? Um, that's what I meant to say. Well. I think I said serotonin.
1: Well, well, either way, you're talking about the same... Chemical release. ...sort of chemical weird. release. That you're getting this sort of feeling that an addict might get when they take their favourite drug. Mm. And that's not by accident. We talk about... I mean, I think this might be one of the things I talk about in my show, but we talk about the idea of us becoming addicted to these things without talking about the truth, which is that these things have set out to be addictive Mm. the very nature of their business model is that they need us to keep checking in and they need us to want to be so they have created a system whereby you do get that little hit because if you get that little hit you'll keep coming back and doing the thing, you know, creating the content for them. Now Ramona is uh, kneeling on my balls. Ramona's like, there's another man in the house.
0: All right, she's got her nose right up there. Hi, how you doing? Just a little uncomfortable. I'm trying to talk on the microphone, but you've got your nose against my nose. What is Winnie's break Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: and this is why we need to film the podcast. <laughs> so there's that element of... This repulsion about she wants
1: you to uh, rub her back.
0: Influencer culture, but okay. So what I was going to
1: say about that is that I've been trying to take out that addictive element of it because there is a necessity to use social media in my life mm and my work and these sort of things, and it does bring some positives to my life but what I've been trying to do is lean into the positives and steer away from the negatives. Yeah. So for example, and I apologize to anyone who messaged me or whatever in response to things and I'm, I'm not getting back to you. It's because I'm trying not to read responses to things. If I post something, I try never to check back in about like how many people I'm trying to take all qualitative measures out of it. Like, so that thing did better than that thing. I'm not comparing that. I'm not looking at that. Like, so to use it for what it is and what it can be positive for, but not to get caught up in the, the bullshit of it and the arguments of it and the you know, drains on your attention. I've been trying at home to put my phone away or turn it onto airplane mode or whatever, so that because what I noticed is I'll be watching TV or whatever, and just because it's there, you're just like oh, I'll just see what's on Twitter or I'll just flick through a thing, it's the and worst, you're like man. I don't need to and I'm not concentrating on this TV show that I was sitting down to watch. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's... So I've been trying to do less of that. But this movie is almost the... It's that
0: to the... The extreme. The extreme. Yeah, 100%. But is it also, you know, because you see the way when those models first start posting those vids and then, you know... It goes, okay,
1: can we do Weekly Planets, though? All right. Uh, what, what tell, you- <laughs> tell me what you think the story was. The story was...
0: Uh, 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 a shyster and a rap star uh, leverage the fame of a small number of very famous influencers to trick people into thinking they're going to have an amazing time without any of the logistics in place to ensure that happens. Yeah.
1: That, yeah, And that that is basically what it is. It is a great advertisement with a terrible product. Mm. You know. And it shows the power of how we can be it's just a meta example and a big, bold example of the small ways that we are constantly being adjusted and manipulated every single but day. It,
0: but it was targeted because of that Billy guy, the shyster, his previous occupation was basically like a, a, a club. You pay membership to a club and you get early tickets to like fancy restaurants or wine tastings or whatever. But the whole uh, thrust of the business is exclusivity, like belong to something that's sort of, it's an, it's a status Kind of thing. And I think he was in New York or something. That's where his main clientele was. There was a a card. It was like some kind of membership card or something like that. And it had some
1: really pretentious name. Yeah. But it spoke Magneto. No. Uh, Enigma. No, something like like that. But it spoke to that idea of,
0: you know, that that elitism, especially amongst kind of young, beautiful, rich people.
1: Yeah. That, that being young and beautiful and rich is some club that it's great to belong to because everybody in it is young and beautiful and, and having rich. a great time.
0: Yeah. Like, the, because you're only happy when you have those three things. Exactly. Youth, beauty and money.
1: Exactly. And the party's never going to end. <laughs> never going to end. <laughs> and that's not depressing in any way. <laughs> happy New Year. Kill me. Happy New Year. Kill me. But that
0: was the other thing that sort of left out to me because I, I tried to put myself in the shoes of like, a you know, some 20-year-old. You know, who bought tickets or borrowed money, or you know, was able to buy tickets to that, or thought it was going to be the party of the year. But even when I was young and dumb, and I would have looked at something like that and gone, ugh, like nothing about it to me seemed like, you know, it's like you you want you want the the festival that's advertising to be you know obviously a bit exclusive and cool, but this was like. So mainstream, with the most like mainstream social media influences, I looked at it and like, I would not want to hang out on an island with these beautiful people. I mean, I like to look at them, but I w- spending three days with these people, even if it was an amazing island paradise. like I've been to festivals that I've really liked, and even after a day at that I'm like, mm. I could probably go home now. Like, right. I've had enough time. And that's with artists and people that I like, friends of mine. Uh, <laughs> you.
1: Yeah. I don't want to be on an island <laughs> yeah. with with people I like for three days. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that, that was... Okay, me. but... because so- well,
0: I, I was asking Gemma about it today. I was talking about, like, Gen X versus millennial. Yeah. And I was like, I, I sort of feel like when we were younger, the currency of cool was about anti-establishmentism. You know, it was just like... If if it was anti, like anything, anyone who purported to be the best or the coolest or whatever, get fucked. You know, we're going to play three chords and be in a grunge band. Like that was, we were, it was like a cynical attitude. That was how we measured what was cool. Whereas now I feel like it's the opposite. It's like mainstream success.
1: Like you want to be part of the crowd. There are these movements happening. And you you want to be part of the movement. Well, the measure is like things like, you know, how many Instagram followers someone has mm. or like you know, how many endorsements deals they have or, you know, famous fame being a thing that in of itself is to be admired rather than examining the reason that that person is famous. In the old days, that idea of somebody being a mysterious artist and there still are, I mean, there's plenty of artists and musicians and comedians, all those sort of things who aren't on Twitter or Instagram and these sort of things. Mm. But that used to be admired, I think, in a way that it's, it's probably not admired well, because now because some people do it really well. Like that's the thing is because I'm th- I
0: was I was the reason I was talking about it with Jen was like did we get shortchanged? Were we like if I'd been less cynical and more kind of like open, would I be happier and more successful because I wasn't scared to try things in case it wasn't you know that's cool or have I turned down opportunities because
1: I felt like I feel I don't like sell you out. would be more successful. Yeah, I'm not sure that you would be happier. No. And I think that I know that. I can see that in my career. There are small changes that I could make to what I do, how I present myself and the style of what I do. And they they wouldn't have to be massive overhauls of what I do to be more broadly and commercially successful than what I am. But I don't think that they would make me happier. They would make me more successful. Yeah. But they wouldn't make me happier. But
0: you look at like entertainers today the ones who are on social media like a Patton Oswalt right Mm -hmm. you know is amazing on Twitter does stand up he acts you know voiceovers like he's you know he's involved in everything he's not there's probably things that you know he turns down obviously but he's not over guesting on a sitcom or you know doing a voice of a cartoon rat or whatever look at The Rock I mean The Rock is the biggest movie star in the world who's probably doesn't wrestle anymore but wouldn't turn down a chance to wrestle at wrestlemania while also doing a tv show well now he's hosting like a a game show like he's basically doing it's a knockout and 20 years ago if the biggest star in the world if bruce willis you know had done all that stuff i feel like
1: we wouldn't have accepted it i don't know maybe well and the other thing is like you know in that instagram world and whatever like the rock is an amazing online social media presence like you know he you know whether it be you know him posting his workouts or his dogs or you know his cheat days and what he's eating on his cheat days, he has an amazing capacity to relate to his audience. Like I sometimes think, like Russell Crowe, for example, is a good example of someone who I think originally we were you know making fun of Russell Crowe a bit when we started. You know, I've come to like Russ a lot. Twitter has been a massive, massive part of that. Yeah, I just think the way that his real personality—well, he's. Twitter personality. I think he's also
0: changed a bit. I feel like Russ is relaxing into who Russ is. Yeah. Like, I think there was a bit of a pressure to be the new Brando or, you know, he took himself very seriously and stuff. But I think now he's got a great sense of humor. Him and Sam Neill, like, are two of the most entertaining (laughs) Twitter accounts going around.
1: Yeah. So, Russell Crowe, great example of someone whose Twitter makes me like him more than I yeah, liked him before. I, I would say that I an, am an unashamed fan of Russell Crowe now. Yeah. And then, and you know, can celebrate still the things that are so, you know, Russell Crowe about him. Like, it doesn't mean that you have to love everything he does. Sometimes I'm amused by Russell because Russell is still Russell. Like, you can still go the full Russell. Yeah. Um, And yet there are <laughs> you, other... You know what he tweeted the other day that made me laugh? Where he retweeted
0: someone saying... Hey uh, Russell, I just watched uh, Robin Hood, and as far as I'm concerned, like you're the you're the best Robin Hood ever. And he just wrote one heart at a time, <laughs> and I wasn't sure if he was joking or not. And I thought that was amazing because I appreciate both. Like I enjoy both. One of them. He's like, yeah, he seriously thinks that he's winning him over one at a time. Another one's like, he's got a good enough sense of humor to know that he's not winning him over. I
1: suggest that if you were drawing Venn diagrams, there would be a massive overlap. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then there are other people who you've admired pieces of their work, but then you like... You're talking about Ricky Gervais. I am talking about Ricky Gervais. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. 100% I'm talking about Ricky Gervais. (laughs) <laughs> I knew exactly. Where I have um, my uh, a great friend of mine is uh, his name is Rich Hardcastle and he is a, a an amazing uh, British photographer and we met when he was taking my photo. He Used to do a lot of comedians' photos, um, but also does uh, you know he does the Baftas. He does a whole bunch. He's a really great photographer, and he stayed at my place in LA. And as a thank you, he printed off like it gave me some originals of some of his photos so uh one of them is a beautiful photo of Stephen Fry like it's amazing and the other one and they're just like you know just essentially sort of like you know portraits and the other ones of Idris Elba and they're both just these amazing photos that he took and then as the best present he got me this giant sort of like poster size like print Of Ricky Gervais, signed by Ricky Gervais, like to me, you know, from Ricky Gervais. And his Twitter account has meant that I've never put it up.
0: (laughs) I actually stopped following him a long time ago. Uh, I I should.
1: That's what I actually should do. I should stop following him and just like, you know, in the way that Amy doesn't read articles about what Morrissey said lately, Yeah, I should just. Watch, You'll enjoy his work Watch more. the original office. And extras. And extras. And not follow him on Twitter or watch any of his new work. So how do we dovetail back from Ricky Gervais to the Fire Festival? Oh, okay, so... So um, where are we at? Okay, Influences. So, so the whole thing starts. They start telling this story. At the start, it all kind of looks good. Yeah. Right? High flies. They've got big
0: agencies working for them. Fuck Jerry, who... Back then, we we're just a bunch of lovable rogues <laughs> running completely original uh, content on their uh, Twitter account. Hasn't been a great Instagram. time for Fuck Jerry,
1: but Fuck Jerry also. My understanding is they were behind. Are they behind this film as well, or behind this film? I think to a they got paid extent? for this film. Yeah. Okay. So Netflix paid them. So. Um, So the film doesn't paint them in a particularly bad light. It paints them in as a bit of like, you know, we can't believe we got taken in by this con man. That's the whole thing. It's everyone
0: caught up in the wake of this con man because they don't actually, they speak to everyone apart from Ja Rule and this Billy guy, but every other peripheral and, you know, a couple of the investors, but like everyone who is working in the marketing or the actual sort of logistics side of things. But it has that unmistakable air of uh, you got bamboozled by that first party that they had there when they shot the video like now here's
1: the thing about that is for this whole thing to work for the conceit of what this you know to sell this party to, yeah but no but to sell the idea that it because the kind of conclusion you could on first viewing draw out of this like uh, documentary let's call it that but whatever the fuck it actually is Um is that everyone was taken in by this amazing... Yeah, that's the way they tell it. Yeah. Like, he had all this enthusiasm. Well, and he knew what he basically took doing the and,
0: top, what, seven models, yeah. Instagram models in the world, flew them to an island for three days, and just videotaped them dancing around in bikinis and riding jet skis and all this kind of stuff. And but a, when a lot sh- of really awkward kind of, like, because what's on camera is them laughing at a good time. But then there's this really awkward scene where they're trying to get the girls to skinny dip or it's like, hey, why don't we all just like jump in the pool? And, you know, you can see where it's headed and you can just see the girls just like, no, no like, we're not going to do that. This is just a paid job. And there's one of the makeup artists is like, obviously playing the, being a good cover, playing the bad guy for the girls. is like, we just don't understand why you want them to do that. And the guy's just like, come on, let's, let's all jump in the pool. We're going streaking. Yeah. Let's
1: go, everybody, everybody, we're going streaking. No, would it be weird if we all just made out? Should we all just make out? <laughs> yeah, it's,
0: it's just a happening, but it was such a, a stark contrast. Like it really, and you know and I've I've like worked uh, on sets where you see the final product and then you see the amount of work that goes into it. And yeah, they are just all working. These women are like professionals at making things look effortless and beautiful and yep. relaxed, even if they're standing in freezing cold water and you know there's wind
1: blowing. Oh. And Right, you see it all the time. I mean, well, you had that experience because you shot a TV show yeah. where it was always summer, summer at Summer Bay, exactly. but it wasn't always summer where you were shooting no. the TV show. And, you know, you, if you look closely enough, sometimes you can see when somebody's writhing around on the beach meant to be looking all sunny and stuff <laughs> that it was really cold and rainy that well, day. Also, like rain
0: doesn't, it has to be really heavy rain mm. for it to show up on camera. So often we'd shoot in the rain mm. where
1: you're pretending like it's a hot day,
0: like yeah. the bushfire is raging out of control. I'm sure
1: sweaty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's why my hair's so wet because of how hot it is but yeah okay so but the thing i was going to say was mm. the whole conceit is that everybody in it's a bit like well you know we were taken in by this guy well, um, they're getting fucking paid like them they're, they're, but i mean even the people who worked for him oh, and right, around right. him and whatever but i never saw that idea that he was some sort of brilliantly charismatic figure because even in those initial shots when they're having that party all the shots they've got of him, like that one shot in particular where he's on the jet ski and Mm. he's got the beer in one hand and he's just like cruising by. You'd like, I would have just seen that and gone, I don't trust this guy one bit. I I don't feel like people, yeah, I don't feel like anyone was inspired
0: by this charismatic, like I've worked with con men and like there is even the guys who are kind of like obviously a bit nuts. If they have enough element to the, enough of a creative spark to them, you're like, well, maybe they're just, you know, maybe they're just left of center and, you know, and and so you do a- allow that, but he was not a creative. Like he was a button down corporate dork drinking Coronas and riding a jet ski with a f- full sleeve shirt.
1: <laughs> you know, like the guy wasn't, the guy wasn't cool. But there's also and that-, that bit where they're filming and he passes out on the oh, beach drunk. Yeah. Wouldn't you like, they I don't know, him. would you work on a job where, the guy who's like the producer of the entire thing passes out drunk on the beach? Like, would you continue? It happens all the time in advertising
0: yeah. where, like, you know, they they will pick a location based on the fact that, oh, let's go to Byron Bay for three days. And the agency and all the... Because they don't have anything to do on a shoot. Right. Like, occasionally they watch a split and they'll approve things. But... Realistically, they don't need to be there. Like everyone's agreed upon what's going to get filmed and stuff. You don't need like six or seven, but they all turn up, especially if oh we're going to fly to Hawaii to shoot this or we're going to do whatever. So that is not. I mean, it wouldn't. It would be pretty embarrassing to have one of your like agency guys flat out, but it wouldn't be uncommon.
1: Okay, so they filmed this amazing promo with all these sort of Instagram influencers. Well, that's the
0: beautiful thing, and maybe this is the filmmaking nerd come out of me. The director is like. We had no fucking idea what we were doing. Like, the guys had no plan. We had no plan. So we just shot everything. And look, when you've got talent in front of the camera, beautiful women in a beautiful location, you're going to be able to cut together 60 seconds, which is probably... And So in three days, you'll get something.
1: Which is what they did. Yes. And they shot together this amazing thing, and then it was shared by everybody, all these people who were... Like, it was smart in that way that they recognized what a lot of people want to do, which is we're going to get someone in our show or on our radio show or yeah, you know, who's got, you know, 500,000 Instagram followers. So when they plug that thing or that product or whatever, you hope that the, the Instagram followers are going to buy it. So um, only one of them, I believe mentioned that it was a paid right. post when they posted it. Right. So how do you feel about that? Because we live in this world where in the old days, if you were being advertised to, you knew that it was an ad. Yeah. Whereas these days, I think there's I a fine tell. line between like knowing something that is a paid because I actually have no problem that if you your Emma Emily Redatowski or whatever her name is because I think she was the one who might have said that it was a paid advertisement you put this promo up and you go you know this is a paid post and whatever then fine we mm. know it's an ad and we can take it with the grain of salt that you know we take all advertising and claims in advertising but if you just post it as a like here's a promo for this amazing thing Do you think it's the consumer's responsibility to be viewing everything as like, I should be asking questions here or does that responsibility fall on the person? Like how much is, I guess what I'm asking you is, how much do you think is the responsibility of the model who posts it if she doesn't mention it's an ad versus how much of it is is the responsibility of the audience to go, this is probably an ad and I should ask more questions?
0: Generally, I think buyer beware. Unless it's something... Unless the influencer is like, just say you are like a, a personal trainer or a chef or something, and you say, like this thing is like vital for heart health or yeah. blah 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 blah, and the only reason you're saying that is because you've been paid for. It. I think that needs to people to be aware. So, but,
1: like for example, yeah, if I'm going to use the example of vitamins because most vitamins. Uh, under scientific testing are just expensive urine right there are some vitamins that work for expensive specific what? people expensive urine expensive urine urine yeah. and piss yellow gold yeah you take the vitamins oh, right. you piss them out and that is all the process that has happened right um, you know mostly if you're eating a you know, healthy <laughs> for and some reason I'm like what it's dehydrated urine <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly did you not know that vitamin <laughs> C is made of dehydrated urine that's why it's orange <laughs> um what? Your piss is orange?
0: I think you need to go to a doctor.
1: Well, if you're taking a whole bunch of vitamins, that's that's kind of the point. Is right. that like the reason that your piss would be gold if you're taking a bunch of vitamins is because you don't need those vitamins in your body and they're passing straight through. A lot of the vitamin industry is basically based on like not much well, it's, scientific uh, it's evidence. It's self-regulated too. Yeah.
0: And so I think the, the rule is if 10%, if, if you contain 10% of the advertised product, so mm. it's like whatever, like herb, then you can pack the other 90% with calcium powder
1: right so <laughs> much like the the drug model for most drugs, dealers yeah, exactly. whether they be vitamin or otherwise but um so for vitamin example mitsubishi what i was going to say is this so if you're if you get a sports person to be in an advertisement for a brand of vitamins chances are that sports person didn't benefit from taking those vitamins in their sporting career but you're buying the idea we identify this person as being fit and healthy. They're now telling me about vitamins. If I take those vitamins, I will be fit and healthy like that person. Now, if that's in a TV ad, you can go, well, this is an ad. I'll, you know, I'll take it with a grain of salt. But if that person was just on the Instagram or whatever telling you the secret to my success, the reason I can run 100 kilometers you know, a day or whatever is because I take these vitamins and not declaring that they are being paid by that vitamin company... Is that an unethical thing to do? And how much? How much should we be? Every time somebody says to us, "Try this thing" or "Do that thing," should we think, "Are they being paid to?" Do we have the right to know they're being paid to tell us the comments? Yeah. Uh,
0: Yeah. I mean, fuck. I don't know. Like, I just feel like I suspect. I don't necessarily feel like I suspect. First of all, I suspect that anyone on Instagram could be selling to me at any time. So. I don't, if I, if I see someone talking about a product that like a blanket that they, a doona that they bought that they love or whatever, I assume that someone's paid them to, yeah, because I don't, yeah, I don't, I, because I myself have never gone on Instagram or Twitter just to rave about a product that I love. You know, some people say, oh, thank you, Qantas. I had such a a great flight. I've never done that or, or anything like that. I just don't feel the need to express that shit on social okay, media. Okay, but say
1: for example, I read Osher Ginsberg's book, mm-hmm. which I enjoyed very much, and then so I post on. And he Instagram. did sponsor this show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: so this is going to sound like a paid endorsement, whether you liked it or not.
1: But this is the point. You get to that point now where you got where people. Are, well, is he saying that because you know Osher, you know, slung some bucks, tofops way, or is he saying it because he genuinely enjoyed the book? Yeah, I mean. F- like I'm, unless I'm not the Osh's book is just an example of the broader here's right, he,
0: the if you flip it right the only time I always think that people are selling me something if they mention a product in a social media post because what are you are you just that kind of selfless that you're like everyone needs to know about the great night's sleep I had on my Casper mattress guys I, I don't know if you've heard about this product Coca-Cola <laughs> well, it's delicious uh, I also think too that in the same way that we take sponsors on this show, because we've turned down certain sponsors that were like, ah, we don't think that sort of really gels for us or our audience or whatever. And the, the, I've actually been surprised by our high standards
1: <laughs> or maybe just the peop- sort of people who want to advertise Although, on our podcast. I
0: do feel like you and Sam fucking sold me out once when we had like a credit agency approaches. And because what happens is Sam, our other producer, he will send us through like potential sponsors. And I think in a quick email, I said, yeah, fine, cool, no problem. And then you wrote back this very thoughtful thing about like credit agencies are predatory, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and Sam just wrote back, don't you feel like a cunt now, Charlie? <laughs> And I was like, oh, well, I didn't do any research in the credit <laughs> industry. I just thought, sponsor, great, let's go. Lucky one of us is a
1: spoiled walk <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> We could have been rich, goddammit. Rich. <laughs> but, um, okay, so, all right, so... They get to this island. They make this amazing promo. They say they're going to have this like ultimate party. On um, Pablo Escobar's private island. Private island. The one condition being with
0: the island's owner is that you yep. do not mention that it was Pablo
1: Escobar's island. And they mention in the promo video that it was Pablo Escobar's <laughs> island. <laughs> yeah, so they get kicked off the yeah, island. Because they said they'd bought it which they had not. Right, did they say that? Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, that they'd bought the island. Well, it's in the thing where they say Billy told them that he would bought this island. He had not bought the island. They no. had arranged to rent the island on the one condition <laughs> that they didn't mention the thing that they first mentioned.
0: <laughs> so then it moves to... Not a, uh, what's an atoll, what is it called? Like a peninsula. A peninsula, yeah. A, a little peninsula in an industrial estate. Essentially, yeah. like if you're driving to Port Phillip Bay, yeah. when you're going in past Port Melbourne and, and uh, Williamstown with all the like refineries and stuff, imagine a resort just next to
1: that. Yeah, it's like a beautiful island, but with more concrete. <laughs> yeah, it's not a great Well, location. the way they sold it was like, if you've ever been to like
0: Coachella or one of those kind of beautiful summer festivals where they have like super expensive glamping tents, and you know it looks like a um, an oasis, you know, type arrangement. Not the band Oasis, but like an o- oasis. Well, yeah, no, in there's the two desert. brothers always fighting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so that's what they sold it on. But what they had was like un. Uh, refugee tents like relief humanitarian crisis relief tents okay so uh,
1: we're, we're skipping right ahead Sorry. but that's no that's okay I mean Ramona's trying to kiss me yeah she is and maybe so, I'm
0: maybe it's because I put on the
1: funky called
0: my <laughs> last week's episode to get that joke oh, just Ramona, started, Ramona. Just started she's fully will <laughs> hashtag me too your job is being completely inappropriate <laughs> she's got me pinned to the couch she's like spread eagle on top she, of me like, she's got... She's rubbing her breasts all over me. Get off me. Hey. You have to get down there.
1: i got to be honest with you. That makes me feel a little less special.
0: <laughs> she's, like, oh, she's like, give me a
1: hickey. <laughs> <laughs> I think I really... I think I really did... This, this is what happened to Tone Loke last week.
0: I mean, it didn't happen to Tone Loke last week. We talked about it last week. And now it's happening to <laughs> me. Hey. Basically Ramona just bloody assaulted me. Wasn't oh, that. Ramona. No. No. Ramona. Enthusiastic consent. That was not enthusiastic. Oh wow. She was enthusiastic. <laughs> <laughs> you know what she did? She was, you know why she did it? She, she, now she wants me to scratch it because I was scratching her back. Yeah. And I stopped for five minutes. And so she basically just said, listen, kid. You scratch my back or i make yeah. out with you for the next time. <laughs> She's hour.
1: like, how about we make out? Now take <laughs> off your bikini yeah. and splash around in the water. We're just getting some b roll <laughs> So, so um, yeah, so st- things start to go to shit because the, the plan was that they were sold the idea they'd fly them in on p- private planes. Yeah. It'd be this exclusive... A cashless, a
0: cashless uh, uh, festival where you yeah. you put 10,000 credit on a wristband or and something. And, you know, the
1: thing is, in a, some ways, I can see how this works because I went to Coachella before Coachella was two weekends before Coachella used to sold out, before it became this sort of like, you Institution. know, fashion festival that it now is. And so realistically, all they were doing was taking a step up from the VIP tent yeah. at Coachella. Well, it fitted
0: in with Billy's MO, which is yeah. exclusive entertainment for yeah. rich wankers.
1: <laughs> it was a weird lineup too. It yeah. was such a weird lineup. Who was it? Blink-182. Blink-182 182. Blink 182 and like, uh, some el- like some electronic band uh, yeah Artists was it Phoenix nah, No Diplo or like right someone wasn't it yeah and then um, oh god like I mean Tiger I can't you know just them. a weird bunch of like you know things where you're just like I'm what? not even yeah, sure what's why. the tone of this yeah and it was a three day festival right I think so I think it was meant to be three days because there's a part of me that goes you got a bunch of money you're young and beautiful you're going to some beautiful island yeah you know, and where was the island the Bahamas no uh, Was it near uh, Yeah, I think somewhere that part of the world maybe. Yeah. Um so you know, I get that. You're gonna fly on private planes, you're gonna be surrounded by beautiful people, Instagram influencers and celebrities and stuff, you're gonna listen to some music, none of that appeals party to Party all weekend. Like if you told me that like next weekend you'll take me to
0: the vibe, but like a good version with beautiful people, everything's taken care of, like it still sounds like ah. Uh, Really, we can't get off the island? There's something about that that just makes me go, I don't want that. Even though I've done three-day festivals where I've stayed at mm. the festival, part of me needs to know I can get out. I mean, if uh, I take a lot of fucking ass, <laughs> I'm going to have a real problem. I'll need to get off the island.
1: Well, no, 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 no. I I agree with you. It's, it's my worst nightmare. It's like being stuck in the birdcage at the, yes. the oh, Melbourne Cup for three days that, in a row. Is,
0: that's it perfectly. That's how it that's watching it. That's how I felt. Was like, oh, these people who start the day looking glamorous and well groomed, and then by then it's just messy and just fucking dickheads
1: everywhere. And so, but there is people who do that all the time, right? Those aspects of society already exist. You know, whether it be at the races or whether it be that exclusive club or whatever those sort of things. So there is already that element of society that is happening and happening around us. This is just. Like, I can understand how someone who wants to get into the, you know, the Levazza tent at the birdcage at the races or, you know, went on the Bachelorette so that they could get invited to some movie premieres or whatever, also thinks it would be a really cool idea to go to Pablo Escobar's Island and, like, you know, be surrounded by beautiful people and wear your bikini and, you know. Well, it felt like, because I
0: feel like some of the people they interview in the show are influencers themselves mm-hmm. or, like, YouTubers or whatever. So, there's that element. But the interesting one are the punters, the ones who had no financial gain. They were just going to go there, drink some tequila and listen to Blink-182. Like... I
1: mean, you're not making great choices. What are you
0: thinking? (laughs) 30 grand? You're going to spend on that? I just don't know that... Because the idea is you would fly into whatever the mainland airport was and then you'd take a chartered flight, which was meant to be a private jet, I yeah. believe, from the video, which turned yeah. out to be just like a twin engine. like it turned Rex, out to be one of the Rex worst Airways. planes of all time. <laughs> yeah. And you fly to the island. But that's just... Uh,
1: that's, I think, more money than sense, clearly. Okay, so we're in this process. Um, okay, so there's, there's so many elements of it that are fantastic. One of my favourites is... Um, the dude who taught himself to fly, you know, their pilot yeah. who taught himself to fly using like a the on, gu- online. Yeah. Uh, the simulation simulation video games on Microsoft or something <laughs> like that. So taught himself to fly, but also happened to be the most sensible person in the entire movie because he got sacked because he told them that what they were planning was impossible to pull off. Yeah. And they were like, well, we can't have negative Nellies like you involved in this organization. <laughs> I remember working on a show like a, an outdoor
0: theater show years ago, and, like, a week before opening night, uh, it was just, it was a mess. It was a fucking mess. It was running too long and, you know, wardrobe wasn't done and queues were all over the place. It was just, like, it was so many moving parts and it was just super stressful. And the cast and the director were not getting along. And then, a, like, three days out from the show, there's a huge blow up. The cast fucking mutinied. The director walked and it was just, like, what the fuck do we do? And I remember, I was only like 19 or 20 at the time. And I remember like talking to the producer and he's like, well, we've already sold the first like week. We, we have to do the show. And so he's like, because I was working as a director's assistant. He's like, can you run the rehearsals for the next like three days until opening night? And I'm like, "Like, I'm fucking 19. <laughs> sure. No problem. Like with all these experienced actors, but so we just fronted up the next day, and I explained what was going on. That you know, Rob's gone. We don't know if he's coming back, but you know, this is our obligations. And and they said, okay, let's just fucking like, let's just fucking do it. And it was sure, let's like, go on, yeah. And I just and so the next three days, like I just watched as you know they sort of. But we all had this feeling of like, it's gonna be a fucking, it's gonna be a fucking disaster. And I just didn't say anything. I just like sat. I would just basically keep notes, just feed them lines, and I didn't try and direct them. Just let them get through it. Opening night comes along and it goes really well. Everyone's actually quite relaxed because the tension's gone. The director's not there. The director comes on opening night. After the show, comes in and apologizes and is like, so I'm coming back to the show. Rest of the run was a fucking disaster. <laughs> like, for a brief window, Billy left and somehow he managed to get it together. But then Billy came back. He's found an extra $2 million and he's brought Blink-182 with him. <laughs> Because that was the other amazing thing in it was the way Billy would disappear and then come back with another check. Like, they would just had a money hose. There's a fucking problem with, like, you know, sewerage. Okay, well, we will just hire 30 guys to work 24 hours a day for fucking six days just to dig, like, trenches and stuff. And he would somehow find these checks left, right, and center. That's the amazing part. For a guy with no demonstrable charisma or smarts, even though we didn't really hear from him. How's he getting that money?
1: How's he getting it out of people? I mean there, big checks. There must have been something about him that we didn't get to see. Because like you said, he was. He was had that capacity to I mean I think part of it was just the broader idea of what it is that we're talking about, which is, you know, he had Jar Rule and he had, you know, these models and he had whatever. The 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 point, image. Of, the point of entry for something being of quality now is so low mm. that you can convince people to give you millions of dollars based on the fact that you've got Ja Rule, some Instagram models, <laughs> and Blink-182 involved.
0: <laughs> and it's funny because they did sort of like foreshadow the start of the documentary they talk about when he had that business in New York. He was driving like a Rolls-Royce or some fancy car and he had this whole thing about you got to look like a success to be a success. So that was his kind of thing. So... He's taken that and like weaponized it on social
1: media. These so, are the most successful people online. Who do you feel most sorry for in the in the whole saga?
0: Well, there was one guy who was the sort of hippie dude. You know, the guy that I think had dreadlocks or something. And I don't know what his specific job was, but he was the one who talks about like the day before people were due to land. He sent out this email just saying, we don't have this. We don't have that. We're not going to do this. We're not honoring this part of the contract the only foreseeable option is to cancel and refund the money. (laughs) And they write back, you know, your beaming smile or welcome them and you can show them your yoga moves or some (laughs) fucking, like as if Mike Howell, you know, some AI automated response. Like it was just, and that guy I identified with the most because like I said, I've been in those situations where it's like, it's all fucking falling apart. I'm so fucking scared and tired and exhausted. God, the idea that we just pull the pin... You know, maybe that's for the best. And then just to have like just nothing. Nothing to come back.
1: I mean, I feel most sorry for um the obviously the locals because no, they were they-, they were the most exploited in you know in this entire saga and yet another great like if you want to examine this on a meta level, yeah. what another could not be a better metaphor for just white people's attitude <laughs> to indigenous people around the world, which is like, We're here! Oh, we've got cocaine and Instagram models. Uh, could you do all the work? We're not going to pay you. Good luck to you. Um, so that bit of it was like obviously full on. And then there was like, you know, poor man Steve Martin who was willing to suck a dick for water, oh, yeah. which is one of the great, like, do you think when he told that story? Um, Martin Steve. Did, did, do you think that Martin Steve knew when he shared the anecdote about the, like, that, yeah, that Billy had said to him that he was going to have to suck the customs that guys. So for people who haven't seen it... Um, and how could you not? Because it's been memed. They you? need these trucks full of water and Billy has told this guy who works for him, who's like a Steve Martin lookalike, older Martin gay Steve. guy, Martin Steve, that he may need to... Uh, Suck the guys, the customs guys' dick to release the water. Now it seems that I don't in, know how they got to that point in the negotiations. Well, it feels like in the in the telling of the story because it does not happen <laughs> that that was never what I feel like that was just in Billy's head. Yeah, yeah. I feel like Billy thought that might be an arrangement that worked rather than anything else. But when Martin Steve tells that story, do you think that he was aware that he was about to become one of the most famous people on the planet? Um. I don't know. Like, I liked him. He was probably my favourite. Yeah, he's a sympathetic character.
0: Sympathetic character. Because he seems quite like... He's still befuddled
1: yeah. about how he... Because I think he'd worked with Well, Billy. he thinks Billy's a genius. Well, yeah, he'd he's worked with him He's certainly one of those people who got sucked up in the... You know, the idea that Billy is this sort of Go-getter. wonderfully creative person.
0: Yeah. But I... Uh, I, I think that he must have known. Like You don't just confess something like that to a Netflix documentary and think, I wonder if anyone will see it. It's not like our podcast. It's not like, you know, our stupid anecdotes. Like, he must have known. And the, in, in the telling of the story, he does kind of joke about it. Like, you know, I, I'm a successful businessman in my own right. <laughs> like, And I was about to suck someone's dick to get water through customs.
1: I mean, but at the same time, when you're in the middle of that situation and you need the water... You've got to think, oh, well, I guess if I've got to suck one dick to get like three tankers of water, then maybe I need to suck one dick. The
0: part of the story that confused me is when he talks about preparing to suck the dick and he goes home and he gargles mouthwash and I'm like...
1: Seems like an after thing more more than before (laughs) then. I don't think his penis is going to care. His dick doesn't care. In fresh.
0: I mean, I'm pretty sure having like a minty mouth might be a bit uncomfortable for a penis. (laughs) There you go take that out of context ruin my career <laughs> just the kind of thing you don't want becoming a meme
1: um when did you so there's these people who start thinking they're not answering my questions i'm contacting them about the details of this because there were those people yeah. right people who were just like we're not getting the right information yeah what
0: airport are we flying from what where time are we flying fly? to?
1: this doesn't seem to be matching up to the details we've been given in the first place Would you so say that say that instead of this festival it's you've got tickets to go to Coachella, uh, right? But then suddenly they're not the the dates don't seem to line up or the like they're changing the venue, blah blah blah.
0: I've had this experience, Will. I went to Splendor in the Grass uh many years ago in which I was told that Uh, We're going to have like, we're staying in the artist area. Everyone's going to have their own camper van, uh, four people to a camper van, like big camper van. I've done a deal with blah, blah, blah. We'd have to do a little bit of work, you know, during the day, but the rest of the time you can check out the festival. And as we're getting closer, well, uh, where are the, where the park, where do we pick up our passes from? Nothing, nothing, nothing. And we just assumed, oh, well this dude, he'll just meet us there and we'll have the passes. We turn up, it's pissing down with rain Drive the car into the car park, get fucking bogged. I let the girls out of the car so these guys can help me debog the car. I'm covered in water. The dude who's done the arrangements walks up and he is clearly stressing out of his fucking brain, like eyeballs popping out of his head. And he's like, You gotta go, you gotta come with me now, you gotta come with you now. And I'm like, I've gotta unpack the car, I gotta debog the car and unpack it. He's like, No, no, I gotta go now. And I'm like, Well, just give me my pass, I'll meet you in there. No, no, there was three passes between 12 people. He got us in off three passes by doing like, you know, four trips. But then once we're in there, you fucking stuck. Cause if you leave that pass, you're not getting back in, I had to go and get, and we, there weren't like camper vans for three camper vans for four of us. There was like one camper van for 12 people. <laughs> and it was that kind of Lord of the flies kind of moment. And it was like, we did just trust that it was going to be okay. Sure. Granted it hadn't been like two weeks or a month of info that made me slightly suspicious, but it was enough if you were a more kind of cautious person to be like, well hang on, just like send us the tickets or
1: let us know where the car park's going to be or any of that kind of stuff. So, so we're into because the, the part of the joy of it is the <laughs> when they arrive, the unfolding realization. Because they get on the plane and the plane is nothing like what it was promised at that point and you know, do you think this is going to this is going to be a disaster or when they land and they just take them to that bar and start feeding everybody tequila, is there still part of you that's like, no, nah, this will be fine. This will be great. This me, is all part of it. Me personally, because
0: I tend to be a like a, a pessimist class, glass half empty guy. As soon as I see that plane, I'm like, this is going to be the worst weekend of our lives.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Do you get on the plane? Yes. If, if that plane... Yes, mainly
0: because I know my friends would be fucking hassling me and I succumb to peer pressure. Like, I'm not going to be the guy to fucking pull the pin and that's going to, like, stress Jem out or stress my friends out because suddenly I'm not coming, I'm breaking at the party, now I've infected their mood. I would be like, I don't... My spider sense is tingling, but I'm not going to be the guy to fucking kick up a fuss.
1: Okay, so they, like you said, the glamping tents have not been provided. Instead, they've got these (laughs) emergency tents left over from... (laughs) Like a cyclone or a hurricane or something. <laughs> That's right. Some tropical storm. Oh, and
0: by the way, it has rained three days before the festival and completely demolished the campsite.
1: And all the mattresses are, are completely soaked. soaking wet. So you get off. They don't take you to the campsite. They take you to, to a bar. local bar to drink tequila. I'm okay. Like if I'm have if if i on the plane and we get to that bar, I'm like, okay,
0: this looks nice. It's a beach and there's a bar and they're playing music and stuff. Like I'm okay at that bar. That looks legit to me.
1: Yeah, so at that point, is there a little bit of you that's starting to go, oh, who's reckon- got the coke? Yeah, <laughs> I reckon the guy organising the festival. Yeah. I reckon he. <laughs> um, so when does it start to really dawn on you that this is, like, you, that you're in you're trouble here? Uh,
0: two hours. I reckon an hour, in the, into the second hour, that's when I'm like, this seems fucking weird. Just because there'd be more and more people arriving and there didn't seem to be any like marshals or anyone. And I also think that, yeah, no, uh, that uneasy after an hour, going to second hour. And so then what do you do? Like if you're in
1: that situation.
0: So I try and find someone and ask what's going on. Can we go to our tents?
1: Which is what a lot
0: of people started to do. Yeah. I mean, I did admire the commitment for people to have a good time. Like there's some people there who probably were having those exact same thoughts who were like, fuck it. You know, I've been saving all year for this. It's my one weekend away. Give me that. I'm doing a layback. Give me that fucking tequila.
1: But that's what I liked as well. There were some people like, nah, this will be fine. <laughs> yeah. Let's have another tequila. Yeah. This will be fine. We're all here together, guys. The music's pumping. This is going to be awesome. What yeah, I think, that,
0: I think that first hour I yeah. would have been having a great time. That first hour I'd be thinking this is going to be fucking yeah. a really great weekend. How good is this? Yeah. Free tequila.
1: <laughs> this is great. We're at the beach. I'm drinking tequila. Party's never going to end. We might stay an extra week.
0: <laughs> yeah. So then when I ask the official and I yeah. start getting the run around, then I start, that's when I go back to you guys and start Take saying close. like, hey. what the fuck's going on? Where are our bags for a start? And why do they keep playing the same six songs? Right. <laughs> are we in hell did we die on that plane is this lost
1: <laughs> guys oh it was much worse than lost like nothing oh, yeah. nothing that happened on lost was uh anywhere near as terrifying <laughs> as being on that fucking island for the five so festival. there was no actual artists either were there no everyone canceled. so that's what i what
0: i don't understand is like what are you delaying you know what i mean like why the get the, what did you think was going to fucking happen
1: yeah. That you had some, no artists. some miracle... but like Blink-182 Blink were going to decide to actually come. Yeah, because I think I mean, it's a fair point, isn't it? Because like... Didn't some I understand artists... the idea of like keeping the con up in the hope that you can pull it off. If we can just... Off. Yeah, give me but five more everybody's... minutes. if everybody's... There's what, no are they there? just thinking they'll get everyone drunk enough that you can just go out in a pair of, like, you know three-quarter shorts and pretend you're a blink one 8 There was
0: probably also an element of the firefest guys that are like, well, we invited fucking Paris Hilton and yeah. Emily, you Bata, know, whatever. Riavani Jibisi.
1: Riavani Bajisi.
0: We invited all these people. When they show up, it's going to be a party. that's. I think that's kind of what you're thinking is... And, you know, she's friends with so-and-so, maybe little bow wow will get up on stage maybe
1: she'll bring little bow wow yeah
0: i don't know why i put those in again (laughs) first rap famously
1: uh, friends with little bow wow paris hilton
0: yeah (laughs) but that's what i reckon they were probably doing but i mean if i was one of the kind of if i was yoga guy or martin steve or any of those kind of mid-level guys i'm fucking i'm having the most massive anxiety attack because you just know that there's no way out of this. Like, there was no
1: excuse. You you fucking led people to hell and you knew it. The only way out of it was to stop them before they got on the plane. Yes. If at that point... But then you deal with the They locals. had just gone, we cannot do this. But I reckon you could have covered up. You could have gone, we had a terror... Like, the weather came through. It's completely destroyed everything. We just don't think it would be a safe environment. And you just put on safety. You mm. go... Well, refund. I guess they couldn't afford to refund everyone's money. They'd spent all the fucking money. That that was the problem. But like, but at least then he, maybe you wouldn't have gone to fucking prison. Yeah. Or or at least then you wouldn't have put all the people through this thing that was that you had no way of making good that you clearly knew was going to be terrible. If you called it at the airport and just gone, I'm sorry, we've really fucked Mia this culpa, up. Yep. a culpa. Will Mia culpa. Yeah.
0: I mean, I think so. Like, I am very much of that. You know, I've worked on stuff. Like when Gemini
1: had the production... As they all got on the plane and sat down, you just appear from the front and go, you may have noticed from the state of this play that this has all been an elaborate con. <laughs> I feel like it's time to come clean. None of you should have got on board this play. You're all suckers, to be honest. <laughs> Give me
0: $5. When Gemini had our own production company, whenever we worked on a, a like a music video or an, a commercial or whatever that, was got, that got tricky, like dates got cancelled, we couldn't get a weather hold, there was some kind of, as the producer you're conservative and I'd always be like, maybe we should pull the pin. Maybe we should, you know, move it to another week whatever. And Jem was always the one to say, no, we have to commit to it because there's too many elements now. Too many things are going. And I think that that's the kind of balance you need, you know, when you're putting on a show like that is you need to have that creative force and someone with the vision, but you also need someone doing the checks and balances. Yeah. The problem was the checks
1: and balances were there, but the fucking guy leading it just barreled past all of them. Yeah, that's right. There was It wasn't like, why didn't somebody say, we can't do there was this? was repeated. Because repeatedly along the way, people said, no, we can't do this.
0: And there's a certain point too, there, I think when you're doing an event like that, there is a point of no return. Like once you've spent everyone's fucking money, because when you... Sure, again, like cool, you're but- saying,
1: I understand that point, but you've spent all the money you've gone well we've got to put this like if it's a show or whatever you're like okay well, it's not maybe rehearsed the way that it should be or whatever but everyone's coming mm. and we've spent the money you're going to get something we're going to do the best we possibly can it might not be the greatest thing that we've ever done but you know we'll do it but there was no way that they yeah. could pull this out yeah it wasn't like there was going to be any like you said they couldn't just get who, who can play guitar <laughs> anyone know all the I know things? Wonderwall <laughs>
0: Some guy just playing Wonderwall again and again. (laughs) The bit that blew my mind. So it's a disaster. Um, It starts spreading across the internet like wildfire. The famous sandwich photo, which I thought was a really poignant moment that it was launched off the back of an uh, Instagram model posting that orange fire festival logo. And it was ended with a photo of a shitty sandwich. (laughs) So it all ends in disaster. People are suing Martin. He gets uh, charged with something or another like fraud or some.
1: Well, I know that Jar Rule, there's that great scene with uh, Jar Rule on the phone, you know, where they're Come filming in, it, where they're saying, he goes, we'll be fine. We'll just, you know, we'll get on with it. Everything's going to be fine. We'll keep doing Magenta or Magneto or whatever the fuck the name of the, the other thing, thing was. was. Um, and then they were like, uh, well, no, no, no. It's This is like, it's fraud. Yeah. And he said, no, it's not fraud. It's like false advertising. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, that is yeah, fraud. fraud. Literally what you're saying. False yeah. fraud. It's just false advertising. It's just fraud. fraud advertising. Fraud. So he gets
0: charged and he's out on bail. And then this is the most extraordinary part, which makes me think that he must be some kind of sociopath, is that he starts up a new business a new con. with another con man, like a protege. Yeah calling people, offering them like exclusive tickets to Broadway shows and Mm -hmm. Knicks tickets and all this kind of stuff that don't fucking exist. But he's documenting it. Like I don't, I watched that bit and was like, oh, like he's clearly, this is like a sociopathic behaviour, has no awareness of what he's just been through or how angry
1: people are or how serious these charges. He's just like a shark in water. He's just going to keep swimming. Well, I think for him, he's like, it's that Wolf of Wall Street thing, right? Like it's that idea that, you know, That's the American dream that you just, I mean, why wouldn't you believe that? Like, you know, the president. Here we go. Here we go. (laughs) Will's just dragging your soapbox out, ladies and gentlemen. Give him a second. (laughs) Takes him a while to get up on it. And he's up and go. (laughs) The President of the United States is a failed business person, you know, a brand, a guy who's failed more often than he's succeeded. And that kind of is part of that idea of that American dream is like you are bankrupt and you start again. Like you look at, you know, the way that Wall Street operates, you look at the way that the big banks and the finance sector operates, it works like that all the time. It is a house of cards and a house of cons and you, you roll the dice on one of your cons actually working out. You don't stop conning. You just get back in the game but and you roll you around another con. The con? And like literally give like a jury evidence for well, the con? Well, in a world where we're willing to elect Donald Trump despite the fact that, you know, he's on tape talking about grabbing women by the pussy and stuff and, you know, mocking intellectually, you know, uh, mocking disabled people and all sorts of, you know, this sort of shit. In a world where, you know, Ted Bundy becomes a sex symbol or whatever, you know, that not- notoriety has become its own currency, 100%, right? yeah. So people think that, you know, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, famous for being good. It matters that you're famous. It matters yeah. that you're part of this exclusive club. It doesn't matter if Did it's a Did you ever the get con. the sense that Billy wanted to be part of that club? Like he wanted to be,
0: you know, one of the beautiful, good-looking...
1: Yeah, well, there's that scene where he goes, he's selling false dreams to losers or whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but you're the loser. Like, you've created this whole false dream around you because at the very heart of it, you're the actual loser. You're mm. the... You you talking? are the loser, yeah. sir. You, sir, are the loser. <laughs> I say
0: good day to you. Which is a funny way for Ja Rule to end a phone call. It <laughs> doesn't sound very much like Ja Rule. I
1: mean, what's your... Like, a Ja Rule is such a good example as well because who is Ja Rule? Like the way he... you talk, the way you feel, I'm real. The way you do...
0: Boo, dee, dee, I don't know. Yeah, right? Yeah. Like, he's not even good. What's his big... Jar biggest song? What's, yeah, what's What you favorite... do, what you do, last night. What you do, da-da-do. Like <laughs> I mean, I'll look it up. I sound like a cookie monster. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll have to save the jar roll chat <laughs> next time. I'm
1: <laughs> really
0: looking forward to that. So can you. Uh, because we need to um, get to this week's uh, patreon uh, uh, correspondence remember uh, to win yourself a tofop sticker pack one in 50 limited edition you become a patreon subscriber you help support the show you write us a letter and if we deem it worthy you'll win a tofop sticker pack and i i uh, didn't really think this through very well a will well will um, like most of our ventures, um, because we've had a couple of winners who live overseas and the actual postage sending of sending course, to get back is fucking
1: punching a hole in our savings. This whole podcast is a fire festival. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um,
0: oh no, you can't write back again. Do we have, can we have someone write back to us again? He's written once and wants to write in again. Do we read two?
1: Okay. Know.
0: All right. This is from Jason. Hey, Will and Charlie. <clears throat> Jason here again. Ready for round two after a narrow defeat in the last oh, Okay. Episode. That's
1: okay. You're allowed to reapply. As many it's times like as you want. Once you win, yep. you can't reapply. Okay. But if you... Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: So uh, let me begin. Charlie, here's my address. As I've understood, it's worth mul- mul- uh, multiple points. That's right. And he lives in England. Great. <laughs> this going to cost oh. fucking a fortune. Guess who's not winning this week <laughs> either? <laughs> While I know the address is enough uh, to win for Charlie, I better find something else to, say, to get Will on board. So, as you can see, I, I live in the UK. Before that, I lived in Italy for 10 years, and some of that time I was in Venice. And I was traveling to London while listening to me lose the sticker book on that last episode of TOEFOP. So, I've just mentioned three cities, London, Venice, and Bath. I know people who absolutely love these places and are always going on about them. But... Personally, I'm not a fan, and for all three, it's due to the hassle of travelling and the inability to drive your car and park near where you have to be. You are both well-travelled men, so I would ask, are there any cities that are universally praised that that you do not care for, uh, or for some particular reason that is unique to you? Or is there somewhere that has a bad reputation that you think is much better than people say? Finally, I think the additional postage to send stickers to the UK should work in my favour. Is that is a very on brand TOEFL business endeavor.
1: Oh, that is absolutely true. I well will done. say that. I've never been to Bath, um, so I can't comment on Bath. Uh, London, I find a bit, I, I have previously had mixed experiences in London. Um, Amy loves London and uh, would love to spend more time there. And it's one of those cities that I've just never, never quite fallen in love with in the way that other people do. I've had some good times in London, and it's mm. obviously a, a beautiful city, but. It hasn't sort of captured my imagination in the way that it has for other people, um, and Venice is probably my least favourite Italian city. So I kind of get that. Um, I love Italy, but uh, uh, Venice wasn't my favourite bit of it. Um, worldwide, though, is it like what are what are the sort of places that people absolutely? New York. New York, has. I love. Paris I love as well. Amsterdam. Never been Never been to Amsterdam.
0: Amsterdam is my current favorite place. Amsterdam and Lisbon in Portugal are my two favorite cities going around. I did them in the same trip and it was fantastic. I went from LA to Amsterdam and it was like going from shadows to light. (laughs) (laughs) Like I'd been locked in your apartment writing for like eight weeks and I was just feeling so like uh, um, um, uh, malnutritioned from lack of, culture and then I go to Amsterdam Amsterdam. where it's just fucking art galleries and bands and antique shops and canals. You
1: were in my apartment in LA and you went to Amsterdam so there was somewhere where there was less work. Yeah exactly. (laughs) Uh,
0: All right next uh, correspondence is from Brooke. Hi Will and Charlie. Charlie and Will. Long time listener first time caller. I've been a Tofop listener since pretty much day one. So I've been through the ups and downs of Charlie's Home and Away gig. Uh, Fofop guest Charlie's Still a listener and the great return of Charlie. A lot of use of the word Charlie. I moved from Sydney to New York. A lot of Charlie in
1: the fire festival <laughs> as well.
0: I moved from Sydney to New York around the same time the podcast started. So it's nice to hear the dulcet tones of some Aussie accents on the way to work. My favorite episode is probably when you discuss Back to the Future Day or Back to the Future, Back to the Future Day, when Will discusses his hatred of tennis. I don't remember that. I don't remember that. Sounds on brand. What are some of your favourite Australian podcasts?
1: Oh, okay. Uh, well, the Weekly Planet we mention quite often, but that's definitely right up there. Yeah. Uh, the Little Dum Dum Club, uh, who um, have just sold out a couple of shows in, in London, London as well, I know, Which is uh, pretty fantastic. And they're just flying at the moment, Little Dum Dum Club. Um, Sizzletown, Tony oh, Martins, amazing. So I got sent. So there's a winemaker who's made a specific... Wine for Tony Martin's yeah, Sizzletown podcast, he's sponsoring his show. Yeah, well, the the bottle is downstairs. Oh, really? I've got. They sent me a bottle and a Sizzletown T-shirt, which I wore uh, at probably science at the live show last night. So uh,
0: Sizzletown is
1: like, if every, if you are a Tony
0: Martin fan, this is like Tony Martin with no restrictions, being quintessentially Tony Martin. It's fucking brilliant. I've been listening for, since the very first episode, and it's like, it's such a great concept. You're like, God damn it, why didn't I think of that? But you have to be Tony Martin yeah. to be able to pull it off.
1: You think, why didn't I think of that? And also, why am I not Tony Martin? <laughs> if I was Tony Martin and I thought of this, um, uh, I, I like um, Do Go On. I've been listening yes. to a lot recently. I like Josh Earls' podcast, Don't You Know Who I Am. If you want a bit
0: of a sport podcast that isn't Do Guys, One Cup, I've been listening to a great one called That Was the 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 That Was the Season, The Greatest Season That Was, and yeah. it's all about the 1993 AFL season. But they talk to all these people who are behind the scenes because in terms of like goals kicked and you know, powerful forwards kicking you know, and, and, and a close games and stuff. And it's, it's, a, it's a sports podcast, but it's really about the culture and the stories behind football. It's fucking
1: amazing. A junk time AFL podcast. And that's it. There's no other good Aussie podcasts. Sorry, there guys. There's heaps of other good Aussie podcasts. <laughs> oh, Finding uh, Drago. Finding oh, yeah. Drago. Uh that is a, a really fantastic podcast. I h- highly recommend that. Uh
0: she signs off anyway. Thanks for all you do. Really appreciate the laughs. Cheers. P.S. I recently had a dream about Charlie dying, but that's a whole other story. What <laughs> a great way to finish the wow. show. <laughs> uh, is it Brooke or is it Jason? <sighs> I don't know. Well, what's cheaper? What are overrates?
1: <laughs> what are over <overrated>, oh, again? <laughs> what are overrated cities versus what are your favourite Australian podcasts? And not I mean, all due respect to both of them. I don't feel like... Uh... Well, look, let's just make it easy. Booked in supplier address. Oh, okay. It's going to
0: Jason. Congratulations, Jason. <laughs> That's all you need to do. <laughs> let's see who's that. Uh, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. And yes, you can support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash TOEFOP. Also, check out our YouTube channel. Our brand new web series, Lessons for Life with Alan Mercedes, is playing at TOEFOP TV. So just, if you go to YouTube and type in TOEFOP TV, TV, it'll take you
1: straight there. Uh, you got live shows. Yes, uh, Will Informed is the name of my uh, current live show. And uh, March the 8th, it will be in Hobart. Although by the time people hear this, I imagine that might be sold out. Uh, Melbourne International Comedy Festival for a month at the Comedy Theatre. So uh, come along and see that and then other places, you know, later on. All right, I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. ba dum ba ba dum